All right. I would like for those of us in, in this class, if you would direct your attention to the slides. The first slide, if we could get that up with the scriptures. Right, we're gonna, the other guys are having a hard time finding out how to get out of here. Right, snow that hard, go that way. <laughs> on your go, on your bike. That's the way they say it in school, on your bike. All right, let's look at this. This is really, this is important to set things up. We've got, uh, Albert is all mic'd up. This comes out of, as you see above, three passages in John, one in Timothy and one in First John. Oh, we have another lost item. Thank you. Somebody's sunglasses. So I'll put those here. And no one came up to me about the Air Force charm, so we'll just hold on to it and keep looking. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, He has declared Him. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form. Not that any man has seen the Father. Remember, we're jamming together passages. Not that any man has seen the Father except He who is from God. God, the blessed and only rule of all, the King of kings and Lord of lords, whom no man has ever seen and no man is able to see, no man has seen God at any time. Does that seem to be um, clear? <laughs> uh, he's, he's nailing his home, is he not? And yet, if you've read your Old Testament, you know that God seems to show up there. So how do we reconcile this? We'll look at these verses out of 1 Corinthians 10. Our forefathers were all under the cloud and, they all and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized through Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they all drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. When we talk about Advent, it's important to remember that this is not the first time, Bethlehem, is not the first time that Jesus shows up. Jesus being eternal and co-equal with the Father and the Spirit He's been there since before the beginning, and he weaves his way through history. There was a book written in the 80s called Christ B.C. that was just all about going through the Old Testament and pulling out uh, not just appearances, but also ideas, attitudes, and changes. We're, today we're going to start working on something pretty important, and that is we need to have a look once again at what John meant in these very famous verses out of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus has been here for a very long time. He has never left us. When He says, I am with you always, even as he ascended into the heavens, he's with us always. And this should be a great comfort. There, there's something I'm going to refer to today called the Targum, or the Targums. If you ever want to look that up, it's T-A-R-G-U-M. Those are Aramaic translations of scripture. Aramaic was the, the language of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. That was um, that was the, the ancient language of Israel. 
modern Hebrew is not Aramaic. In fact, just read an article about two weeks ago on how we are losing Aramaic because the last native speakers are dying off. It has been worked, it, is, it has been, um, when a language bumps up against another language, it starts borrowing and they start exchanging. And so the pure old Aramaic of Jesus is being lost as a living language. And I, you, could, you could argue the points being made in the article, but Aramaic was it. And that's why every so often in scripture, it'll have Jesus say something and then I'll have to translate it. Like, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Or the little girl get up when he gave the life back to the 12-year-old daughter. He spoke in Aramaic. Now, in case you're wondering, people have argued for the longest time if Jesus would have known any Greek, if he knew any Latin, if he... Uh, Jesus wasn't stupid, and people knew how to do different languages as they exchanged and worked. So I don't know what he knew, but I know he knew enough. How's that? There's a, there's a radio commercial now, which kind of aggravates me. It's, I'm not that easy to aggravate, but if you keep hitting me with things, I'll, I'll get it. It'll say, why do people in Europe speak so many languages? Well, maybe they are, it's because they are learning from Babbel, the number one software for learning language. No, they're learning those because that's Germany. This is France. Radio comes over, TV comes over, internet comes Oh, look, there's Italy. There's, there's uh, Switzerland, which even has Romance, which is a, a minority language. Yet they bump up against each other. But Aramaic translations of scripture, I have found, open up things that our English doesn't. And so I want to refer to a couple of them. First of all, in Genesis, I'm not going to do a targum here, when it says... Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. We see a group effort. God works as a group. He calls us as a group. He doesn't, the, the Lone Ranger concept is not a God concept. He wants us in the group. Whenever God makes appearances in the Old Testament, he can make that appearance in a, in a variety of ways. One of those ways is as the angel of the Lord. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 16, starting at verse 7, when he appears to Hagar. Hagar was a woman's name, and I don't really know how to explain that one to you. Just go with it. Hey, you know, look at a little baby. Let's call that Hagar. Uh, I've only known one person known Hagar, and he was a very quiet Kentucky farmer. So here's a woman outside the covenant. She's in great distress. He promises her many children and a great legacy which will never perish. She understands that it is God who has spoken to her and sees her. I love that. She describes saying, I have seen the God who sees me. Is there a better name for God than that? That's, that's just dead brilliant. But the Targums phrase it a different way. She gave thanks before the, the Lord whose word spake to her or in a different targum and Hagar gave thanks and prayed in the name of the word of the Lord who had been manifested to her the word is already moving in the Old Testament and already doing what Jesus does he goes to the outcast and he lifts them up um, 
I'll just do one. Let's go to the Revelation passage. Let's bring that up. Revelation 19, uh, verses 11 through 19, the great warrior comes through to clear out the evil, to, to create the safe place for the people of God. This great God, this great warrior king has his name written down his thigh, and his name is the Word of God. He keeps showing up, doesn't he? Jesus is amazing. And I know you're thinking, duh, you're a minister. No, I, th I think that ministers have hurt us with Jesus because they have sliced and diced him to make him a cultural Jesus or a, uh, an ineffective kind of effeminate Jesus. But when you trace him through scripture, you see he's a pretty amazing, deep individual. You don't mess with him. Do you have anything you want to kick in this early or do you have some, um, you haven't been, it should be on. Nope. Yes, I think oh, there. it is. Oh, absolutely. I'm confident, I'm confident that Hagar uh, had a visit from the Logos. Yes. And you see, she, the father spoke to the Logos before he created Adam and time. And so we see that all through the ages, and, that, and, that, and that's the same one that Joshua saw after they defeated Ai. Yeah, we're, yeah and we're going to look at every single one of those. Good. But that's all right. You're not running ahead. But what I would like for you to do... Because I know what Logos says. Tell them what Logos means. Well, it, it's, it, uh, it's, it's a Greek term. It's a Greek statement. and um, uh, Generally translated as? As, as the, the Lord or Jesus. Or word. Right? word. Oh, yes, right. word. Right. Absolute word He's in English. pulling That's that correct. from John 1. I wanted to make yes. sure you knew that. From John 1. Okay. That is the word. Um, and uh, another may, thing, if I may say. Oh, yeah. told me Philadelphia is a... a Pharaoh, 250 years before Jesus was born, brought together 70 people into, into northern Egypt to translate the Hebrew scriptures, afraid they would be lost. Yes. And so he, that's where we get the LXX. That's right. And so that's a point you were making earlier about languages and the transitions in them. Yeah, they, uh, and in fact, some holy scriptures do not exist in a living language, like Sanskrit. That's correct. Uh, the, you know, the, a lot of the Hindu scriptures are not in Hindi. They're in a language which is dead. And so ours is in a living language, which is wonderful. Um, the, the, you ought to, there are a lot of myths around it, the translation of the Septuagint, but it's still fun to read. Absolutely. It, it is. Um, Another thing is that the, it's unfortunate in the English language that the word, word is used as it is because it's also the scriptures. Yes. The scriptures are the word, but of course the author of all of that is Jesus himself who is the word. That, that's right. Genesis 18.1, another appearance. God appears outside a tent. There are two angels there. That's right. They tell him about the coming birth of a son. Uh, his wife laughs, and so they name the child laughter. Itzhak, Isaac, which is kind of cool. Yeah, think about it. Uh, and then as the angels are about to move away, one stops and turns back to the angels and says, Shall I keep from Abraham what I'm about to do? Now that, I just got chills again. Um, that should make everybody go, what? Because angels only do what they're told by God. But this one is saying, this is my decision. Should I let him know what I'm about to do? Uh, and he then turns back and talks to him about the destruction 
of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, Patrick, and the, Patrick, that is the same one called the Lord in verse 10. Yes. It says, this time next year I'll be back and your 90-year-old wife will have a baby. That's right. He's and, the same one that's going to make sure that a 90-year-old lady has a baby. By the way, that laughter might not have been like, sure, it might have been, ha, 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 you know, I just, I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I just keep thinking, how is this good news to her? You know, I'm going, you know, I've got swollen ankles already. What are you doing to me? Um, but it is, it is amazing. You're in a tent, and here come three men, and you jump up because you are a part of your culture. And their culture, to be an honorable person, when you saw travelers, you moved to them to offer them uh, hospitality. In fact, Ezekiel says um, that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for how they treated the poor. Yes. Doesn't say anything about homosexuality. It's about how they treated the poor, the traveler among them. Uh, very interesting, that. Patrick, you yes. might say that in, in every time angels came to this earth, they were in the form of a man. There's one exception in a minor prophet, but in yeah. the form of a man. And, and I brought up that exceptional uh, last week, and we went over that. Women with wings right. in Zechariah. There's a, that's and, when and babies were brought by storks from that picture. It, it, yeah, it could be. <laughs> but, uh, it, and Cammy, you'll understand this. Every time I, with wings, I always want to go to the British commu um, uh, commercial, which has been running since they've had TV, about the Typhoo tea. And it, was, it always goes, Typhoo gives you wings, you know. And I keep thinking, ah, and they won't get it. So um, moving along. Genesis chapter 22, uh, the amazing and troubling story. God tells, tells Abraham, take Isaac up the mountain. You know the story. I've had people uh, look at me and say, this is an act of ultimate cruelty. And I'll tell you, you know something? It's a very strange story. I'll give you that. Yes. I've talked to some rabbis. I'll be interested to see what you say about this. Um, Talk to some rabbis who say that the terms used to describe Isaac in a timeline would indicate he's not a little guy, that he's up to 30 years of age at this time. And my thought is, if your 30-year-old son is still living in your tent, this might not have been as big an ask as I thought. <laughs> but regardless, regardless, here they go. They're climbing up the mountain. And Isaac's looking around going, well, where's the sacrifice? And, and I love the response of, of Abraham, which I imagine was choked with emotion when he said, Jehovah Jireh, or the Lord will provide. Um, get up there. Sometime during this, I'm pretty sure Isaac, um, what do we say, twigged to it, um, caught on that only two people were coming down <laughs> You know, and, and, but who stops him? The angel of the Lord. Right. In fact, in verse 8 of Genesis 22, Abraham doesn't say, the Lord will provide. In the Targum, it says, the word of the Lord will prepare for me a lamb. I love the Targums because they bring this kind of flavor to things. If you're thinking, where do I go buy the Targums? I don't know that they're there's not a one set Targum. There are several out there. But if you look them up, there are online resources that you can read, okay? And they're free. 
there are some printed versions, but the ones I've seen literally run to $250 a book because they are such limited editions. You've had to buy those in your life, I'm sure, some of those books. Um, I, I don't want to walk away from this without talking more about that mountain and Mount Carmel. Throw, throw your take on it. Well, I'm confident that, that uh, when the Lord said, go, uh, go to one of the mountains that I'll tell you of, and uh, the sacrifice there, we cannot imagine because how long had he waited from the time he was called in Genesis 12 until we get to this particular section. But I'm sure he said to the boys, don't tell, be careful, don't awaken his mother until we can go to that. <laughs> I don't want to deal with her with this matter. But the point is, and it's so amazing in the Hebrew language, before he goes up, he says to the servants, the, the lad and I are going into the mountain and worship, and the lad and I are coming back again. And, and, and I had every intention of killing that boy. I, yeah, I have, um, there, are, there are three ways to look at that. And one is that he believes he will kill the child and the child will be resurrected. Two, he was trying to not let the servants know what was going to happen. Or three, he figured God was going to stop it. That's correct. And we could argue all of those. Uh, but I don't see a need to. Because you'll lose the point. It's kind of like if you're talking about the ark and you start trying to figure out how many square feet a cougar needs, you've lost the point of the story. So they go up the mountain. Uh, the mountain that they would be shown. Yes. Because, because later on there'd be a city built. And a temple built over that very place where those rocks are. Patrick, I don't know if you've been there or not, but I have, I have been, not. I've been in the Dome of the Rock back when we could visit it, and I've gone down three levels, and I may have actually seen some of the stones on which Isaac was laid. If you don't know what we're talking about, God stopped this. The angel of the Lord stopped this. The Word showed up and stopped it. And... and I don't want to go away. I'll go there later. Right now, what I want to do is later on, the word of the Lord would walk in that place and he would be killed and no one would stop it. That was Jerusalem later. That was where the temple was later. Abraham could not have known this. And so when people say, well, why is this story in there? And I'll say, well, you know, it's, there are several things there. And people will say, well, he even says, now I know that you believe... I think that we often don't understand nuance in, in Semitic languages, which are very nuanced. I think Abraham didn't know how much he believed. I think Abraham had to figure out, wait a minute, maybe my faith is stronger than I thought if I'm willing to start this journey, knowing that God will do what God will do. By the way, you don't tell the mom because if she's raised him, to 13 or 30, and now she's in her 100s, and she knows the promise of God is that Abraham will have many children. She's going to be thinking, no, not again. You know, you're going to sleep in a separate tent. Um, Patrick, the word of the Lord. Yes. Just oh. one other thing. I won't say too much. No, no, but first of all, that, that place where those stones were was the inner, I mean, it was the holiest of holies of Solomon's temple. But the other thing is, I'm a farmer at heart, and I know something about animals. And I know that that ram was not caught by the horns when he was piling up those rocks. It was not until the knife was raised mm -hmm. that then he heard the ram. That makes what you just said right. so important. It, does. it was not until the knife was raised to kill that boy 
that that ram was then placed there miraculously as that sacrifice. And in fact, in one of the most famous paintings of that story, um, because we used to not have Bibles, but we had paintings, and we had stained glass, and they taught us. And um, the Jill Miller film strip actually used that painting. It's a very famous classic painting of Abraham like this with the knife and Isaac down and tied and the angel of the Lord in the air reaching down and grabbing his arm saying, nope, you can't stop it. And that's what makes it even more heartbreaking that when they were beating and killing Jesus, nobody put their arm on the soldiers and said, stop. They ran instead. So a sacrifice will be provided I don't think it was the ram that was provided. I think that that was just a temporary thing. The sacrifice is the word saying, no, I'll be dying on this mount. You don't have to. It's amazing stories, isn't it? Oh, but we got more. Genesis 32, starting at verse 24. The wrestling with God. And by the way, this is how Israel gets its name. Israel means those who wrestle with God. Those who come to me and saying, you know, I... I, I, I just have so many questions and I worry about my lack of faith. I'm always going, dude, you're in. Good. Because if you're wrestling with God, at least you're in contact with him. You know? If you're not wrestling with him and you back up and just kind of, ah, don't care, that's, that's tragic. Who wrestled with Jacob? He says in this passage, look at it later, or now if you like, look at it. He says he wrestled with God. The Targums say he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and they would put uh, the definite article in there. It, it is either they would put it there or the verb would require it. Um, the angel of the Lord, when Jacob blesses his sons, all the way over in Genesis uh, 48, verses um, 15 and 16, he says, God is the angel who delivered me. You ever thought about that phrasing? Look at it, it's in Genesis 48, 15 and 16. God is the angel who delivered me. A very strange story. You might want to hear the explanation for the wrestling. I've heard a few that are really, really good. The thing is, this was Jacob's experience. This wasn't ours. We're not privy to much of it, except for what was read. I will tell you that as a man who has wrestled with God often, one of the things that really speaks to me is when the angel goes, that's enough. And Jacob goes, I will not let you go until you bless me. And it reminds me of Job saying, even if he slays me, I'm still going to love him. And I just I get a chill. But then Jacob walks away with a permanent limp. He's been damaged by it. And I talked to a couple of you in this room um, a few weeks back, and I won't point you out because I didn't talk about sharing our stories. But when you told me yours, I looked at you and I said, to this very day, I thank God for where I am in my faith, but I cannot thank him for how I got here. That was too painful for me to go to God and say, that's the way I would have done it. I would have liked to have gotten here without that pain. Every day, I don't have a lump in my hip like that for, for that reason. But every day, there are scars on me because of how I got here. You too? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of nods. 
so you went down to your river as well. Rivers are very important. We talked about thin places, rivers, if you want to go back and get that one. Would you like to fill in anything about the wrestling? Or It's simply that I'm confident that that also included Esau. Hmm. As in Esau was wrestling with oh, Jacob? No, as, Jacob, as Esau being kind to him rather than killing him. Oh, I see. Do you think Esau may have been also wrestling I, with that? Right. No, gotcha. I, think that, I think that the deliverance, when he's talking about the deliverance, that it included Esau because he deserved what Esau would have done in that world. Very cool. Okay. Uh, Exodus 3. Exodus 3. The burning bush. Yeah, that story always fascinated me as a boy. Again, pictures, very famous pictures in history of the burning bush. It is the angel of the Lord who speaks from the burning bush, and the name given to him in the entire rest of the, cha- uh, the passage is God. The angel of the Lord spoke to him, and from then on it's referred to as God. So the angel of the Lord is a the, not one of, it does things, it countermands orders, such as take him up to kill him, stops the killing. There's a much more famous, well, not, I don't know if it's more famous. I liked another one better, we'll get to it, uh, which is just stunning. He also is referred to as God and receives worship. This is no just angel. In fact, Stephen in Acts chapter seven refers to this being not as God, but as the burning bush, as the messenger of yes. God. Isaiah says in the Septuagint, which was Paul's favorite version, uh, that Jesus would be called the messenger of great counsel. What does that mean? It means he's going to be the one who speaks of God, for God. And Jesus on earth walking among us, what did he say? The words that I give you are the ones that my father gave me. I do not speak my words. I love these things. He says, not only did he tell me what to say, but how to say it. (laughs) And let's, yes, and let's go back to that uh, burning bush. Moses says, what's your name? What does the angel reply or God reply? I am. What did Jesus say in John chapter 8 and verse 58? Before he was, I am. What's the thought of that, people? We look at Jesus and we, to realize he was the one in the burning bush. He was the pillar of fire. He was the pillar of cloud. He was the one that split the Red Sea. Jesus' advent happens every millisecond of every day. But there had to be the special life lived from birth to death and resurrection. So that advent is the one we talk about. One man told me after sermon today, he said, you know what I really miss? Advent calendars. And he meant in churches. And I said, you know, in the churches of Christ, we didn't do those. Uh, but I like Advent calendars. I'm rather appalled by the ones you can buy today. Because when you buy them, most of them have nothing to do with Jesus. There are Mickey Mouse Advent calendars you can buy. But it's all about his characters. And, there's, and Jesus isn't in there. I remember the first, we had just moved back to America. And our little girl, you know, she worshipped the mouse. He's three or four years old. And there was a Mickey Easter parade on television. Oh, no brainer. Let her watch that. And as it kept going, I kept getting a little bit more concerned. And at the very end of it, I, I was stunned. Jesus was never mentioned. 
God was never mentioned. There was no faith. And I'm going, what happened here? I didn't tell her, don't like him anymore. No, let her be who she is. Let him be little. But I, um, I'm, I'm noticing most Advent calendars have nothing to do with Jesus anymore. It's all about countdown to presence. So um, just... Anyway. Patrick, may I make one more statement? Yes, because that be, told be, me that in Exodus 3, see, there is no name for God in all the Bible. We have 20-some-odd Hebrew characteristics of yes. him, but he says, I am the one who always is. That's right. The, the phrase, what um, Dr. Lemons is referring to, uh, the, the phrase, I am that I am, can be translated by a long passage, not just I I am who I was, I am who I will be, I will be who I am, I am what I, it just, it is the eternal constant is what I call it, because that, that's a scientific term, uh, a constant, and so I just say the eternal constant, the one that does not change or shadows of turning, um, in other words, time does not change where he is, he is, um, he goes, I did that uh, already in Exodus 13, 21, he is the pillar of fire by night, the angel of the Lord. I like uh, Isaiah 63 and verse 9. He is the angel of the Lord's presence. He is the one you get to be with you. Now, I don't want to go into a ditch here. And so pull me out if I need to be pulled out. There are times when I was doing my, my searching for religion that I would come across people that it was all about the Holy Spirit all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time. And I was fascinated and I learned a lot, but I was also discomfited. I, I, I did not feel okay with this because I can't find anywhere in the Holy Spirit where he's going around saying, focus on me. It's always focus on Christ. Always. Now, I think you can take that too far. I've heard sermons on that you cannot address the Father or the Holy Spirit in a sermon, in a, in a prayer, because we're only allowed to pray to Jesus. I don't think that's accurate. And I've heard, ser- uh, I just keep saying sermons, prayers where the Father and, um, I'm sorry, sorry, you can only address the Father, not Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. I'm going, no, I talk to them all. But my faith is rooted in the presence of God, and that is Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 12. I talked to um, a church this weekend as we were help, trying to help them through transition. And I said, that, uh, my favorite book in the New Testament is the book of John. It's just always going to be. Yes. But if I had a second favorite, most people will go to Romans. And I say, Romans is right there. But normally Hebrews is higher for me because of the way it just focuses on Jesus. Um, just, I love it. Anyway, he is... Um, Well, let's look at Hebrews then. Look at this next one. Um, um, There we are. He is the image of God. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, Colossians 1, 15. But it's Hebrews 1, 3 that you've heard me say repeatedly. He is the exact representation of God. Which is such a comfort, is it not? Was anybody else, did anybody else um, raised to think, or at least left the impression... That God was very, very angry with us, and Jesus is kind of having to run interference with, with God, saying, no, no, it's all right, it's okay, God, you know, back off a little bit. I, did anybody else? I'm getting some nods. That's what I, 
But God loves you as much as Jesus loves you and shows you. They're on your side. They like you. And all the preachers in the world telling you that you're disgusting doesn't change that. Because they're not in charge. Yes, Tim. Yes. And that's just a really powerful concept to me. And is that when the Holy Spirit appeared? You know, when there was no chaos or order when Abraham was doing his sacrifice or something, Jesus showed up for that. Well, that's, a, that's really interesting. It's different than the Holy Spirit. So when there's chaos, I go to the Holy Spirit now because mm-hmm. that's, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think he does. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase what Tim said because I'd love to hear what you said. And if I don't rephrase you correctly, um, you can say objection, Your Honor, and you can go from there, all right? Um, or objection. That you. never goes anywhere. <laughs> uh, he was saying that what I talked about last week in the sermon from the creeds about where there is a Holy Spirit, he brings order out of chaos. And we see that in the chapter 1 of Genesis. And I, I showed how through. And he says, he sees Jesus, you know, he talks to Jesus in prayer, but he talks to the Holy Spirit now if there's chaos because he needs the order brought. But he thinks of Jesus. Uh, there's Isaac on the mountain with Abraham. That's not chaos. That's part of the plan. And Jesus is involved there. It's not like the Holy Spirit rushed in to make that orderly. Am I saying that even close? Okay. Are you understanding what... He is saying, as, as translated I'm by me. I'm not sure, but I'll just I make say you this come up and here how it applies. It. I'm confident. <clears throat> I'm confident that that there was an existence when there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's eternity. And uh, and when the Father chose for alternate ex- existence to be, to be, that's when we get the first verse of the Hebrew Bible, which to me is a Bible in itself. And then, as you said, verse 2 is where, and I'm confident that, that the Father dispatched, when things went awry in the celestial realm, he turned his attention to this planet, which has been here all along from that first verse. But, and he dispatches the Logos to be on this planet. The Holy Spirit remains in the presence of the Father in, we'll call it heaven. But the Holy Spirit empowers the Logos in everything that happened, That's all true, the miracles yeah. of the Old Testament. And even many times in the ministry of Jesus, he says, the Holy Spirit told me this. But the Holy Spirit doesn't know. And he says, you can talk about me, but don't talk about him. Yeah, the, um, and so there, he, the Holy Spirit empowered the Logos in all that was done. So it's really God at work. It, absolutely. And I, there's um, the um, image of God. I think I have all this up there. I, and I don't have this one. You may want to write this down because it's just kind of, Shocking when you read it at first. 1 Corinthians 10, 9. It talks about warnings from Israel's history. And I'm just going to pull this out. In 1 Corinthians 10, 9, we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. That's right. We thought they were testing Jehovah. They were. But Jesus is God. And the first two verses of that chapter say the same thing. Yes, they were, and and we read those earlier. Yes, Uh, in verse four of that it says that rock was Christ, but and in verse nine, they tested Christ and were killed by snakes. So again, this is just pretty fascinating stuff here. Going back to the Holy Spirit, 
Um, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I do come across that sometimes. Um, there were churches, like the Ebionites and, and others through history, uh, heretical groups that believed the writer of Scripture and Jesus as a person was evil and that there was a good God that they worshipped instead. If you are attributing to Christ the power of the devil and you're saying the devil's the one who did that, I think you've crossed a line. Amen. And um, you know, I, don't, I don't know what to say except you've crossed a line. There is also another phrase, uh, and I don't want to go too far in the weeds here. We're about to end. Um, the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. That phrase, you're on. <laughs> it's, it's, that's uh, what Peter said about Paul's writings. Uh, it's in, yeah. At least that idea is included as he closes Second Peter three, um, and it's it's simply that uh, that all pro everything that will ever occur is already known and understood, and will uh, history play it out. But just that, that you know the whole thing about the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God, and you're going. That, okay. is the, that is, shall we say, the mind part of, the, of God, uh, the wow. mental part of it in that sense of knowing. Just to wrap, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, uh, I was thinking about that same thing. The last chapter Isaiah, the last chapter Jeremiah wrote. Now, there's another chapter in his book, but he didn't write it. And, uh, and he says, for the, Lord, for the Lord is a God of retribution, and he will repay in full. Yeah. And that has to do with the snakes and things like that. Yeah. And let us not allow common uh, present society to re-evaluate who God is. Right. We have to be careful how we speak of God. Absolutely. Remember this angel's first appearances to a woman outside the covenant, Hagar. When he walked among us, Jesus sought out the Samaritan woman, the Syrophoenician woman. This angel, the Lord, stopped the sacrifice of Isaac, but he placed himself there later. And I'm going to, I'm not, I, I really wanted to do this, but to get a little bit further, but we're going to stop and do um, slide 15 next week, okay? Because there are other appearances of the angel of the Lord that I think you're going to find very interesting. But in the meantime, enjoy Advent, focus on Christ, do not let the world steal your joy, go with God. <laughs>